On this episode, we have our first guest ever, and they are an amazing individual when this has been a long time coming, so I'm super excited, and we chat about so many RPGs. So stick around for another wonderful episode all about RPGs. Welcome to Bits of Time, where we usually tell you if a video game is worth your time, but this is Save Point, where we discuss everything RPGs, and today I'm joined by Matt, aka Stormageddon, which they only do everything. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you for having me. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess everything is an easier way to say I do too much, uh, and I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to collab in real time, because you've done an episode of Side Quests, which I'm grateful for, but like that was you doing a thing and sending it to me. We're actually like working together here at the same time which is really exciting yeah this has been a very long time coming we've known each other for quite a long time but this is the first time we actually get to collaborate and you were the very first guest on bits of time so it's very exciting i'm very happy to be here i mean it's funny like uh, with your previous podcast that you retired and then started doing the new one like i met jacob mccourt through that show and through being a fan of that show and then ended up becoming good friends with jacob and we've collaborated a bunch but in all that time, I've been a fan of your work. And when bits of time we came back, like when the, you, the brothers, started doing another podcast, we got so excited. And I was like, man, <laughs> you know, I realized I have never collaborated with Michael or Larry. I've been a fan of their stuff, and we've been friends online for all this time, but we've never actually like legit collaborated. But everyone I've met through loving your stuff, I have collaborated with. So it's just very funny that it just <laughs> took this long roundabout yeah. way to get here. And we're finally here in 2023. Yeah. Pretty exciting stuff. And we'll get to know Matt plenty more later on in this episode when I have them go through a little segment called RPG Tutorial. But we're going to look at some upcoming release dates. We're going to have a huge main discussion revolving around that as well. And then we'll get into the end of the show. So on October 11th, Honkai Rail Star, Star Rail is coming to the PS5. Do you have any interest in this game at all? So I haven't. Uh, so I, it's from the same company that makes, um, oh, what's the other online massive anime game? Genshin Impact. Genshin Impact. Thank you. Uh, I played a little bit of Genshin Impact. I, it was fine. Uh, I, I'm one of the few folks who likes Breath of the Wild and likes Tears of the Kingdom, but they're not my favorite kind of Zelda games. And so playing an anime game that's pretty much exactly like that style of a game I didn't really stick with. Um, I have a ton of friends who are obsessed with Honkai Star Rail, but I have not touched it. When I found out it was by the same folks who made Genshin, which I liked well enough, I was like, okay, I know what kind of game this is going to be, and I just do not have the time for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's very long, but it is interesting. It's a turn-based gacha game, and I just, I'm intrigued by it, so I'm definitely going to check it out, but I don't know how long it's going to keep my attention. Yeah, I don't know if this one is this one free to play like Genshin is to start, and then you like pay into it or whatever. I believe so. Yes. Okay. So then maybe when it comes to PS Five, I'll give it a shot. I'll install it. I mean, Genshin was because uh, at high level in Genshin, like once you finish a chunk of the main story, you can play it multiplayer with friends and kind of just run around the world. And so I tried it for that and never actually got to that point. But I believe Honkai Star Rail is just single player. I don't think there's any multiplayer involved with it. I did such a similar thing. Like, all of us <laughs> brothers wanted to play together. And I just never got to that point. I was like, ah, I'm, I'm over this. It's all right. But happy for people that like it out there. For sure. And then after this, we have October 13th, Lords of the Fallen. 
I think I messed... Now, this is a sequel, but called the same name as the first game. It's, it's getting really confusing out here. Yeah, it's weird when games just pretty much use the same exact title. Um, I've heard this is actually supposed to be pretty good. Um, I have a few friends on the internet who've gotten like to test play it or like got a preview of it and i've heard some good things folks saying that the first one was kind of only mediocre but this one kind of like improves in every way it's for the fans of like dark souls and that kind of rpg uh Ooh. this is another one of those kind of action rpg game where it's all about difficulty and larger than life bosses it sounds interesting i've only recently become a souls fan uh i naysayed it for a long time <laughs> uh, the irony in which, like, I talked about it being too hard and then being a diehard Metroid fan. It's like after Dread and realizing how hard that game was, I was like, maybe I'm being an idiot, uh, which I was. And so I started playing them. I played Elden Ring like everybody else and ended up really liking it. I'm hoping to play Bloodborne later this month and stream it a bit. And so, like, I beat Dark Souls 3 at one point. So, like, I've started to explore these more difficulty-based uh, like third person action games uh, but I don't know that I'll play this one just yet like maybe if it comes to game pass or something I'll give it a shot but uh, but I mean it looks interesting and it's gorgeous I mean I've seen some uh, footage of it and it looks really good yeah so I'm this I'm kind of similar like I've been a fan of the Souls games for a long time but usually I don't go for an offshoot because this I mean they're you see sink so much time and energy into those games because they're so difficult that after I'm done with them, I'm, I really need a break. Yeah. And the sporadic, I mean, they've been pretty good with the cadence of releases of those style of games that me then going to another one off an offshoot, even though it looks really good. Lords of the Fallen, I agree. It, it looks like they're improving everything from the first game. But yeah, I just don't know if I'm ready to dive in. I mean, I beat Elden Ring at the beginning of this year. And I, I think I still need another year or so before I tackle something like that. Fair enough. I mean, few games are as big as Elden Ring is, too. So there's that. That. Uh, <laughs> Good point, good point, good point. <laughs> now, this next one, I know nothing about this game. It comes out October 26th, Battle Cakes, but who, who's ever listening to this, pause it and look up a trailer or just a screenshot. Screenshot. It is the cutest <laughs> freaking looking game ever. Yeah, I when we talked about doing the show and you sent me the outline for it, and I saw this game, I was like, oh, I haven't heard of this. And I tend to really like indie RPGs. I mean, if you follow the Funny Games Twitter, I never shut up about some of the indie RPGs that just come out this year. <laughs> uh, and so I looked this up, and you create your own kind of like cupcake character. And then, yeah, there's this like, it's a party-based, turn-based RPG uh, in this world where everyone's a cupcake. It's it's very cute. It's an indie game. It's by uh, Volcano Bean. I think this is their first game. Uh, and so this one I put on my wish list. I'll I'll check it out if it goes on sale or something. Like I, Heck yeah. I, I I've kind of been on a run of turn-based RPGs lately, and so <laughs> this one seems like it could be fun. Also, if it's on the shorter side, I love a short RPG. Like I I can something that has like a full story in like ten hours. Like I'm all about it. Hmm. Well, I'm glad that this random show got you to find a new game. That's always exciting. All right. Well, that's it for the release dates. I'm sure there's plenty of more games out there, and there's a bunch of games that probably drop by time uh, this is out for you all to hear. But let's talk some RPG news. Final Fantasy Rebirth has had so much information just randomly coming out from the Square Enix blog posts themselves. Before we even dive into it, how? give me your temperature on... Uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I mean, I loved Remake. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, I laugh in the face of the naysayers who hate that they're uh, adjusting the story. 
I won't go into <laughs> details, but like that's the pitch, right? It's called Remake, not just because it's a remake of one of the most famous RPGs ever made, but it's also remaking the, t- like something's wonky with this timeline and things are changing. Things aren't happening as they're supposed to based on the previous game. Uh, it's like, I mean, it's Nomura. And so there's some Nomura ass stuff going on in it. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was great. I loved the voice acting. I liked the new cast, though I missed some of the old cast. Um, and so, of course, I'm excited for Rebirth. In the trailer, we got to see my boyfriend, Vincent Valentine. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm excited to reunite with him. Though I'll be kind of sad if Stephen Bloom isn't doing his voice. Not that Stephen Bloom doesn't have enough work because he's literally in everything. But like, I liked his <laughs> version of Vincent in Advent Children. Um, and I think he was Vincent in Dirge of Cerberus, which no one's played but me. Uh, I beat that game actually. Oh wow! Yeah, I I yeah. I really like that very bad game. Like I could admit it, it <laughs> is a not a good game. game. I don't know if I like it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited for Rebirth. Uh, I, I I'm annoyed that it's going to take three games to tell the whole story. But like they keep claiming that this is going to feel like a complete story, just like the last one did, which it mostly did. Uh, it had like a natural ending point, but. Uh, I, I just to get I know where I, I think I know where the story is going sort of and so to wait so long to get them all uh, of course is frustrating but uh, but I'm excited for it I can't wait to see how they turn the story like well for one thing and they've hinted at there's a very famous thing that happens in this game this part of the <laughs> of Final Fantasy 7 that we shouldn't we should expect the unexpected whatever that means I won't spoil it yeah. but like that's got me really curious you know what's so funny about this coming back? It's like I don't want to talk about the story basically at all because yeah. people are going into this with fresh eyes, you yeah. know, a whole new generation of people. Yeah, totally. And it w- and it was a bold choice of them to change the direction, but like you said, it is called Remake in the title, so I applaud them. The, the original will always be there. We can always go back to it. It's fine. Yeah. So with this new stuff, we have a new card minigame, which gets me all excited because I love Final Fantasy VIII's... Uh, triple triad so i hope that's <laughs> just as good they have some like weird piano performance mini games they have this moogle mischief new mini game where you have to bring mischief moogles kids back to their mog <laughs> this like mog house looking tree and the moogle kids will attack you in every possible way so be careful not to be caught off guard by their cute smiles <laughs> i am so confused but it when you're talking about you're hoping that this is going to be a complete game it from what they're adding it seems like there's going to be a lot of variety in there. Yeah, I mean, also, like, I loved the mini games in the original game, the snowboarding game and the motorcycle game. And, like, we got a sense of the motorcycle combat in the first game, and so they have they showed in the trailer that there is a motorcycle mini game. Uh, I yes, assume yes, we'll access yes. a lot of this to, at the Gold Saucer like we did in the previous game, but wherever we get them, it does look like they're taking some of the, like, side content from the first game and turning it into mini games like they did in the previous incarnation of final fantasy 7 so that's exciting yeah we even have like a, we have a snippet of the world map and it seems really big and you kind of go out doing a very breath of the wild kind of thing or horizon zero dawn where you, you activate these remon remna wave towers and then it opens up things and there's quest boards it seems like they're really fleshing i was a little worried how they were going to do the open world section of this game, but I think this is the way to do it. It's like very big open area sandboxes, but I don't think it's going to be seamless, but yeah. they did show in the trailer that you get to ride like the blue and green chocobos that can climb and go over water. I was like, man, they are really putting a lot of thought into this. I did, did love how people were memeing on the uh, Red 13 riding 
of oh Chocobo. Like that was pretty <laughs> it's so funny. Good. It was pretty funny. Yeah. He looked like so a I'm dog that you put like on another dog, right? Like when, like when you play with the, like a smaller dog and put it on another dog and it doesn't know how to sit, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like it just he he seems so awkward. It's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but we will talk about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth even more in just a little bit. Switching gears, we have Phil Spencer promising exclusives like Xbox 360 era. And this is from Game Radar, I believe. And it's Kane Saren that did this article, so go check them out. Uh, so Xbox Phil Spencer recently claimed players could expect more Microsoft-published games coming from Japanese developers. And when he quoted about games like Blue Dragon and Lost Assy, this is what he said, quote, You can count on it, Spencer replied, while also name-dropping the rhythmic action slasher Hi-Fi Rush as an example of a recent xbox publishing game to come from a japanese developer japanese creators are are also part of microsoft game studios spencer continued and although there are some titles that cannot be announced yet we are working with japanese teams to develop new games the development environment is growing including first and third party so i think we can expect more japanese titles to appear in the future now i was a huge fan of lost odyssey on the 360 do you do you trust this uh, Xbox trying to garner more Japanese role-playing games. I mean, I mean, look, Phil Spencer said a lot of stuff over a long period of time, and you know, he like he he works for a, corp- a giant corporation, so he's not our friend. And if he does lie, who cares, right? Uh, Peter Molyneux yeah. made a career out of lying about RPGs, so you know. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, I don't know. I want to believe it. I mean, I can't imagine he would mislead us for no reason. And I mean. Look, if you're citing Hi-Fi Rush, the game that would be my game of the year if it came out any other year, uh, like, I, I, I mean, Hi-Fi Rush is such an interesting thing because it's from a Japanese developer that get a game director who typically made uh, horror games uh, in Tango Tango GameWorks, and they made this incredible rhythmic action, uh, uh, like, be uh, action stylish action game, and so like. If what he's saying here is that they're getting other Japanese developers to break outside their comfort zone to try new things, I'm here for it. I want some wacky and weird RPGs. Um, some of my favorite gaming experiences have either been really retro or really unique and different. And like, you know, I want to I, I want to root for Xbox, but like I have PC Game Pass. I don't have the console because most of the games that are on the console for Xbox are on PC at this point. Uh, True, but like. I would love them to have more original stuff because I don't care about Gears of War anymore, which I used to love. I definitely don't care about Halo anymore after the tragedy that was Infinite. I never even played the single player. Like some of my favorite franchises that they garnered kind of have lost their luster. So if they want to bring some new stuff, I'm all for it. Because now Hi-Fi Rush, though on Steam, and I own a Steam copy as well, is my favorite Xbox franchise at this point because I love that game and I want five more. Uh, so if that's the kind of thing we're going to get for this kind of divergence from what they've done before, and garnering back to a time, like Blue Dragon, love it or hate it, was a very unique RPG, was drawn and animated by my one of my favorite anime creators, Akira Toriyama. And so like, if you're mentioning that and Lost Odyssey in the same breath and saying you're going in that direction, let's go. Like I'm, I'm here for it. I want more and different things. I love Final Fantasy, but like also there's no shortage of Final Fantasy anything. So something different and new would be fun. Yeah, so my thing with it is, you know, Phil has been pushing Atlas games specifically. A lot of, I mean, so many Persona games now you can play on Game Pass. 
So there are baby steps to leading toward this. And if they make Hi-Fi Rush a franchise, which I think they definitely could, I think we could get a sequel of it. Yet you get that weird out of left field games. And I think that'll draw more people to your system. You know, in Xbox, I assume they don't care whether you're playing on PC or the console. They just want you playing on their ecosystem of sorts. Yeah. But, but I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm skeptical and I don't think that would be the first place I would think to play my RPGs. I would rather go switch or PlayStation for myself, but I am curious and I want this one. It just has more people getting to games like this. Yeah. So we will, we will see if how that all turns out, hopefully very well, but we're going to talk about the main topic and that is the quandary of choice. Now, I'm going to run through some release dates for you, and then you're just going to help me break down what you're feeling on all this. So Yakuza Like a Dragon starts us off. Infinite Wealth is the sequel on January 26th, and then not too much later, we got Grand Blue Fantasy Relink on February 1st. Then Persona 3 Reload, which is the remake of 3, sort of, comes out February 2nd. And then Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, February 29th. How are we going to have all the time for all those very, probably very long RPGs so early in the year? It is a lot. Uh, I feel like more dense in RPGs specifically than typically at that time of year. Yeah, it seems strange that they're all going towards the beginning of the year. I feel like RPGs usually sprinkle throughout and they're not, you know, smaller titles. They're pretty big. I mean, this Grand Blue Fantasy Relink is something that I'm not as familiar with it, but I heard it's pretty big on the I think it's like a like a browser game or something like that. But what's your hype level for each of these games, do you think? Well, I mean, anyone who follows me literally anywhere on the internet knows how obsessed I am with the Like a Dragon franchise, which I am inclined to call Yakuza because that's what it was called in the West, but now they're just renaming everything Like a Dragon like it's been in Japan the whole time. It's very confusing. But uh during the pandemic, I played through the entire franchise. I really loved Yakuza Whoa. 0 and then went, well, I guess I'll play all of them because they were on Game Pass <laughs> or I had them on PlayStation Plus or a mix of both. And I played through the whole franchise, took a break, and then finally played Like a Dragon last year, I think, or the year before. And I loved all of them. Uh, I, I like Like a Dragon a lot. I like the new characters, uh, but I am a fan of the old school beat-em-up versions of the game. So, like... I don't mind the RPG shift, uh, but you know I am excited that next month, unrelatedly, we are getting a interquel game based on the original main character, and that's going back to the beat 'em up gameplay style. But I am very hyped for Infinite Wealth. Wealth, uh, you know, I enjoy this world. It, my favorite thing about this franchise and about RPGs, mostly generally, is for the story. I like if the combat's great, that's an add-on. But like, really good stories will keep me through even games with mediocre combat. And, like, the stories in the Like a Dragon games are incredible. They're just as likely to make you laugh as they are to make you cry. Uh, and mm. that's exactly what Like a Dragon did with Ichiban uh, a few years ago. And so I'm, I'm getting this day one. I cannot wait to play it. Um, as far as the other games, uh, Grand Blue Fantasy, I'm not super familiar with, so I don't really have any interest in that. Persona 3 Reload, I am interested in. I'm making my way very slowly through Persona 5 Royal on the Switch. And I've loved mm. it so far. Um, I bounced off it when it was just Persona 5 on the PlayStation 4. But I'm really loving the Switch version. I've been really uh, enjoying being able to play it in like bite-sized chunks. But that game is very long. And <laughs> it will probably, at the pace I'm playing it, take me till the end of the year to finish it. 
Uh, so <laughs> if I do finish Persona 5 Reload by the end of the year, then I will play Persona 3 re- uh, Reload, um, or Royal rather. If I will play Reload when it comes out, especially since it's running on the, the Royal architecture, like the, the game engine is the same, which means it'll run yeah. well on Switch, I'm hoping, just like Royal did. In which case, I'll definitely play it because I think I prefer my RPGs handheld. I will play non-handheld RPGs, but like I, the Switch is my go-to console, and if I can get something on it that runs well, I'll play it there. Uh, and then Rebirth, as we said before, I'm stoked for. Like I'm getting that day one as well. Uh, I really loved the previous game. I'm a little bummed they did announce that like things aren't rolling over. Like you are going to start from scratch again, mm-hmm. sort of, but they have a clever way to do it. So that's kind of a bummer, but. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for three of these four games. And like again, I've heard a lot of good things about Grand Blue, but I think <laughs> three is a lot. Realistically, I will probably play like a Dragon Infinite Wealth and Rebirth, and the other two are a toss up. Okay, gotcha. Now circling back to Infinite Wealth, I have never played a Yakuza game. Is the first like a dragon a good starting point? Yes. It absolutely is okay. because it's a new protagonist. And while there are nods to the previous characters from the franchise, you don't need to know who they are to enjoy the game. And the game will tell you more or less who they are, like the, you know what their importance was in previous games. So you can absolutely start with uh, um, Like a Dragon, Yakuza Like a Dragon. God, the naming convention so damn confusing. <laughs> Uh, my <laughs> my co-host over on Fun and Games, Jeff, uh, he I've been yelling at him to play the Yakuza games for ages, the Like a Dragon games. And so uh, him and his partner started with Yakuza Like a Dragon, and they loved it, and they're excited for the sequel, and they want to go back and play all the old games. But it is definitely a good entry point because, again, is a brand-new protagonist who is going to, like, kind of, I think, carry the torch for the games in the future. So you would absolutely not be lost. I mean, I really want you to start with Zero and go all the way through because I think it's worth it narratively. <laughs> okay. But it's a tall order, and there's, those games are 30 to 40 hours apiece, uh, some a little oh, shorter. Boy. So if you wanted a more recent starting point, place to then jump into infinite wealth you could definitely do that with yakuza like a dragon and i suppose if i'm starting with a turn base and then going to a beat-em-up that wouldn't that'd be fine because it's a totally different genre and a feel and but it's still an rpg so yeah okay that's good to know i think for me i think persona 3 reload is actually at the top because i've only messed around with uh the persona 3 portable a little bit so mm-hmm. i know it's not considered a definitive edition because they don't have some extra content but what yada yada but <laughs> i'm just excited that it looks gorgeous and i'm a very big persona fan so i'm, I'm ready but and then final fantasy rebirth right around the corner for me how do you normally choose which what games to play in general uh there is no good answer for this. So, I mean, like you, my podcast dictates some of it, but because Jeff and mm-hmm. I are more of a topic-based show, except for like side quests, which I have obviously don't do every episode for, and the Patreon stuff where in the Patreon episodes we talk about what we've been playing that month, but like that doesn't really drive me. It's just like I need to play things to talk about. Um, I think mostly my taste and what I'm interested in still drives most of it. Because even when I get game codes, it's for stuff that I've wanted to play already. Um, like, mm-hmm. I was grateful enough to have gotten uh, a Sea of Stars code. And Sea of Stars was my most anticipated game of the year and is currently nice. my game of the year. Um, and so, like, that was like that. I loved The Messenger. I love Chrono Trigger, which took, this game took heavy inspiration from. And they were very public about that. So, like, I knew I was buying that day one. And when I got a review code, that made me want to play it even more. Um, 
I'd say that I lean more towards indies than AAA, though I love AAA games. Like, indies where I found a lot of really hidden gems or games of equality or things that I'm really looking to play from my past or revisit. Um, that said, games you didn't mention that are coming out in October, we've got uh, the new Mario game, Alan Wake 2, Spider-Man 2, and like all of those games I want and will be playing day one also to the best of yeah. my ability. Uh, so <laughs> I don't really have a good answer to the question. I, I would say I guess my taste still drives a lot of it. But that said, like I'm currently playing through Signalis, and that's because a um, mutual friend of ours, Dave Jackson, has been talking it up a lot and is covering it on his podcast this month. And so like that made me really finally want to play because I bought it like last year at some point and never played it. So I think... I think I try and f like the. It depends on what's coming out, but I play. I can play three games at one time if they're in different locations. So I can play a game on my computer, a game on my Switch, and a game on my PS5, and like alternate between them. But more than one game concurrently on a, on any of the consoles, I can't keep up with because then I confuse things. I don't remember what I was up to or what I was doing. Mm. Um, if the games have really good controls, or it's really easy to pick up and play, like Persona Five, which is easy to remember like what you were doing because the game kind of guides you pretty well like that I can pick up and put down because I won't forget that game because it's pretty straightforward to understand it's more difficult to master um, but like action games like The Witcher or something like those have such complex controls and different systems or an Assassin's Creed or whatever that I tend to not play them or if I do they're the only thing I'm playing I like that saying taste dictates, dictates your choice it's a good way of putting it not gonna lie I have the problem where I have these lofty goals at the beginning of the year of, all right, these are the games I want to tackle. And then I just, I maybe start with one and I totally deviate. Like this year, I've been playing a lot of PS1 RPGs and I have no idea why. I just went through a bunch of them. And I'm like, obviously I'm playing stuff for the podcast as well. But yeah, the, the variety, and I think you made a good point about controls being easy to pick up and play, definitely dictates whether I can play more than one game at once. Because there's some either RPGs or... Uh, what's the game I'm thinking of? Oh, yeah, I tried to go back to Horizon Zero Dawn to try and get the Platinum Trophy one year, and I just couldn't remember how to play the game. And I was like, oh, well, that, that kind of ruins that, so I just shelved that one. And I did the same thing with Horizon Forbidden West. I'm, I was like 24 hours into that, and I'm realizing I'll probably have to either start over or take an hour or two just to learn how to play the game again. Yeah, I mean, and like also other things coming out will also dictate what I'm going to play. Like, for example, I... Hadn't, I hadn't picked up the Alan Wake remaster because I played the original on PC only a few years ago. Um, but after replaying Control last year, which I love and has become one of my favorite games of all time, and the announcement of Alan Wake 2, I was like, all right, I'll finally pick up the remaster. I'll have a modern version of it on a console besides my PC. Uh, and I started playing it, and then I fell off. And then with the release of Alan Wake 2 now being imminent, like uh, a few weeks ago, I went back and kind of just finished it out, the rest of it. Uh, a game whose controls have aged terribly, but the story is still <laughs> incredible. So, like, I suffered through the bad combat. Also, I'm notoriously bad at shooting games flat out, and so that's probably part of it. But uh, but I, I was happy to revisit it, and what pressured me to go back to it was the the sequel coming out and I wanted to be I wanted to remind myself now in the same vein I started Spider-Man remastered because I got it with Miles Morales for PS5 uh, got about halfway through and then dropped off and I am not going back to it the game is just too big and like even though I could kind of bum rush the main story I remember that story pretty well because uh, it is yeah. a lot less time had passed since I played that and uh, 
and Miles Morales kind of gives you a refresher. So that I'm just going to jump into as is. I don't think I'm going to do that. But those kind of things will also sometimes. And then, or sometimes I'll just play Final Fantasy uh, 4 for no reason other than I want to finally play the retro Final Fantasies. And so I pick up the Pixel Remaster and knock it out in like three or four weeks and love it. So like that was just an obscure like, hey, I want to finally play these Final Fantasy games. Which one should I start <laughs> nice. with? And then I did. And then I played it and I loved it. But like, so... As much as I have like a method, also sometimes I completely ignore it. <laughs> you know, um, there's two things you said in that that make me want to go further. Uh, Final Fantasy IV is that the one with Cecil? Correct. It's with the yeah, the okay. the uh, Dark Knight. That is my big hole in Final Fantasy. It's the one that everybody talks about that I have never even played once. So I do want to remedy that. Maybe it'll be a goal next year. I should play that game, Final Fantasy IV. I've heard it's really good. But uh, the other thing, you mentioned buying games on multiple systems. What is your viewpoint on that? Why do you own the same game in multiple places? I mean, the number one reason is can I get a portable version? Uh, now You're all in. <laughs> I mean, so, well, so here's the thing. First of all, again, I am from a very privileged place where sometimes I'll get game codes. So, like, for example, I have Sea of Stars on Steam, so I played it on my Steam Deck. It was perfect. Do I want to also own that game on my Switch? Because most of my RPGs are on my Switch. Probably. Also, like, I got a game code, and I'm grateful for it. But I also want to, like, pay to support the studio, too, because I really like Sabotage. They've made two games, and they've both been perfect. So, like, I am a fan for life in the same way that um, I became that way for Yacht Club with all the Shovel Knight stuff. And now Mina the Hollow on the Horizon. Um but like we think it, it also depends on how much of a sicko I am to make it really simple. Like, for example, uh, you may know, like a lot of other folks online, I tend to like Mass Effect just a tiny bit, um, <laughs> just a bit, just a little. And so, like, I owned those games on 360 and then I got rid of my 360. So I bought them all on PC for Reignite, my Bioware podcast. But then when the Legendary Edition came out, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to get it on PlayStation 4 because I want a console version because the PC ports were terrible. But then I found out that the PC port of the Legendary Edition would have all of the quality of life stuff like controller support and all of that that the PC versions didn't in the past. So when it went on sale on Steam, did I buy it so I could also play it portably on my Steam Deck? <laughs> you bet your ass I did. Uh, and so like, I don't always buy multiple copies of a game, but if it's a game that is either harder to access or on a console that I don't play a lot, like. I have, Chrono Trigger is my favorite game of all time. I have the Super Nintendo version. Good I don't choice. currently own a Super Nintendo. That's mostly just to have it. But I have the the DS version, which is the definitive version because it's the PS1 version without the crappy load times, uh, but with all the extra cutscenes and everything else, the bonus content. Uh, but I bought it on Steam recently also because that version got an upgrade and isn't as bad. And I can play that on the Steam Deck, which I have with me more often than my 3DS. Is my copy of Chrono Trigger always in my 3DS? Yes because that way, at least if I have it with me, I can play it. But like, so the, it. those kinds of things it. will drive it also. I don't always try and buy multiple copies. Often, like with Alan Wake, for example, I have it on the Epic Store, so I didn't pay anything for it. I got it for free, and that's when I played it. So this was the first time I was buying a copy of Alan Wake in the remaster. Uh, so while I have it in multiple places, I, I would say that often my multiple copies more or less come from me getting it for free on a platform from some program or deep discount or whatever and then realizing i'd rather play it elsewhere so then i'll spend the money on it i like it it's as chaotic as uh, your answer to what you're gonna play next i love it <laughs> uh speaking of playing things next are there you i've noticed that you 
I saw that you played Sea of Stars, and now I also think I saw a screenshot somewhere of you playing, what's that, uh, Chained Echoes as well? Yes. Are there other either indie-inspired RPGs or even retro RPGs that you've never tackled that you want to do, let's say, within a year? Sure. So, yeah, I it's funny because I played... I've been playing Persona 5 Royal, as I mentioned earlier. That's an ongoing project that I hope during my winter break this year I can finish finally. Uh, but yeah, I played Sea of Stars, loved it. It's my game of the year. Uh, and so then I bought Chained Echoes last year and like played the first hour and then fell off. I probably got distracted by something else. Uh, and then after a friend was like really obsessed with it and was like, you should play it. I started it again, got to like where the story hooked me. And even though I didn't love the combat system, the story pulled me through and I really loved it. I thought it was great. Um, mm. and so, yeah, I'm, I think I, we're, I think we're simpatico in that when you said that if the combat isn't lacking, but the story's higher, I'm with you. I can, I can, I can just go for it all day. So, uh, I'm currently, uh, for reasons I can't disclose yet, uh, playing, uh, replaying Paper Mario, uh, on the N Nintendo Switch Online. Um, I'm playing it for a reason and I'm very excited to talk about why, but I can't yet. Uh, but I'm replaying that to refresh myself on it because I had it on the N64. I loved it when it came out, but I don't remember anything about it because the N64 was a <laughs> long time ago. Uh, and so I'm replaying that. Um, but I do like, uh, of course, I'm sure you've talked about before, they are remaking one of the best RPGs ever made by Nintendo and Square, Super Mario RPG, which is an, uh, a favorite of mine. And so I'm definitely going to play that in November when Me it too. comes out. Um, I thought about, because I got a uh, analog pocket, and uh, besides playing handheld games like Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color, you can also, using um, the emulated s uh, software on it, can get Super Nintendo, Nintendo Genesis, all working on it. And so I have Super Mario RPG on the analog pocket. So I thought about playing the original again, and then the remake, but I'm like, no, 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 no it's too much. You played the original yeah, like 18 much. times, you're fine. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to play that remake. Uh, I do want to play another of the retro Final Fantasy. So when I had put it out to the world that I want to play, I want to play the retro games, I said Final Fantasy 1 and 2 are out because they suck. I've played them. They're bad. I don't care what they did in the Pixel remasters. I am not touching those games. Uh, so I asked between 3, 4, and 5 what I should play. Most people said don't bother with 3, not at least initially. But a lot of folks were like, look, if you're going to play all 3 of 4, 5, and 6, you might as well play them in order because they scale in quality. They're all great, but like mm. four begets five, which begets six. And I've played none of five. I had played a little of four before I played it this year. And I've played like half of six. I got up to when the world ends. I won't go into more detail than that in case other folks haven't played it, but I got up to that yeah, and then yeah. lost my save file. It got corrupted. So I was playing Ooh. it on Steam. And so I do want to go back and play that one, especially since as someone who loves Chrono Trigger as much as I do, they're like simpatico. Um, and so, like, I see myself playing five or six within the next year. I don't know that I'll get through both of them, but I could see myself playing one or both. Um, as far as other retro-inspired RPGs, it depends on how Kickstarter campaigns go. Like, I've backed a bunch. Uh, one of the more famous ones is Quartet. Um, they put out a game, Shadows of Adam, on the Switch two or three years ago now that I loved. It was, like, a nice little bite-size, like, play on the bus or on your morning commute RPG and they're making a new game that's bigger. It's about a quartet of heroes and I backed that ages ago and it's taking a little longer. So if that comes out next year, I'll be definitely playing that. Um, and then Me I, too. I, I'm also a backer of that. Nice. Yeah, I love... I mean, I've met uh, Tyler and some of the other folks who work on that game and like I really like them. Um, 
you know, I liked the, I loved Shadows of Adam a lot. Like, it felt like an old school Final Fantasy um, or Chrono Trigger. Like, it felt like of that era, and I liked those era of games. Um, there are others that I've wanted to go back and play that I haven't yet. Like, um, what was the one that was like, like Paper Mario, but it was with bugs, Bug Fables. I've been wanting to play Bug Fables for a while. I never got around to it. I heard it was really good. So that's been on my list for a while. Um, but that's all I can think of right now. I mean, I would like to actually, there's one more. I'd like to get through Persona 4. I have Persona 4 Golden on my Steam Deck. I started it. Please do. I started it and I loved what I played of it. And then I got distracted and I'm just enjoying Persona 5 more on my Switch. So that's why I've been sticking with that. That said, if I get reload on the Switch and I already have five on the Switch, might as well repurchase Golden on the Switch also. So they're all on one <laughs> console, right? Makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah, totally. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I do have a, I do have a plan eventually to go back to four because I got, I think I got through. I I think I got the main all of the main party members personas like those for, like that dungeon and a half you do to get their personas. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that's it. I don't. I don't actually like. I think one of. I can't remember if one of the murders had happened or two. Like, but I'm early on. I'm within the first ten hours. I think. Uh, and I really liked it when I got to my boy Yuri Lowenthal, uh, uh, voicing Yusuke. I was like, oh, okay, this is my favorite character now for whatever reason. That's just, who voices him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I should, I should know that. But that said, uh, yeah, that's probably my list. Then again, I wasn't planning on playing. Uh, going back to Chain Echoes, and then I got convinced to. So who knows? Like as you've said already several times, my kind of logic path is pretty chaotic. So there could be things that influence it. I mean, they also with the announcement of Thousand Year Door coming probably next year, uh, which I love, is my favorite Paper Mario game. Like I could be playing that in the next year also, depending on when that comes out, because that that one I deeply want to go back to as well. So many games. <laughs> you know what's funny about Persona Four Golden? is I played it on the Vita for about 20 hours and then completely stopped. And I finally went back to it and beat it this year. And, oh, my gosh, is it good. I am. Oh. And there's nothing wrong with taking your time with a game and going back to it. Because the one nice part is it's not nearly, nearly as long as Royal is. Yeah. I mean, well, I did that with Final Fantasy IX, which has become one of my favorite Final Fantasies now. Um, I had gotten through most of it when it came out on the Switch and then fell off for whatever reason. And then at the beginning, I think, of this year... Maybe that was last year. Uh, I went back to it, and I was near in the last like third, and so I used some of the special features, like turning off random battles and other things, to like get to the end really fast. And then there's like a thing that lets you do 999 damage all the time if you want to like skip stuff. And by the time I got to the final boss, I was under leveled, but like I was at the end, and so I used that so I could see the ending, and I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, and so yeah, I I think what's hard is with some RPGs like Chain Echoes. I started over because I knew I was very early on, and so I was like, let's just have the complete story but if i'm like two-thirds of the way through a game and i mostly remember the story i'm not going to start over i'm just going to continue to push through and get through the game me too uh so yeah I and i find i do that more with rpgs than other games because most rpgs especially turn-based ones they like you can kind of sit there and figure it out because you're not like it's not an active system where you're getting clobbered or it's not an action game Absolutely. where you're just getting beat up and you don't know what to do so i find that turn-based rpgs are easier to go back to than say other games and i will say a good point that has come up in this discussion now is if you're not feeling a game it's okay to shelve it and come back to it that doesn't mean the game is bad you just might not be in the right season of your life to play that game i will also say though as a grown-ass adult if there's a game that you are not liking do not burden yourself to push through just 
let go. Like, it's okay to buy a game that you end up not liking and don't play. Like, it's fine. You know, it's not a waste. Yes. You can look at it as a waste of money. Who cares? Like, but I'm done pushing through games that I, I've lost interest in. It's just there's there are too many games to play as it is and to spend time, like, saying, oh, I have to see the end. I have to finish it. Like, absolutely not true. Uh, <laughs> just no. let it go. It's, it's not worth your time to power through games. Don't no. worry, my other brother does that all the time on our show, so oh, yeah. don't worry. <laughs> all right, well, we're going to go let Matt go through the RPG tutorial, but first, before we do that, just shout out all the things that you do. Uh, there are so many that you do. <laughs> I will give the short, short version, since otherwise we'll be here for like another two hours. Um, so I'm a <laughs> prolific podcaster. Some have said, uh, not me, but other people. Uh, but I host three shows, um, all with co-hosts. I do Screen Snark, which is a TV and movie podcast that I do with the incredible Rachel Quirky Shank. Currently covering non-struck work, so not much TV and movie while the strike is still going on. Um, even though the writer's strike was resolved, hell yeah, they got what they wanted. Actors are still on strike, so we're holding firm. But uh, we're covering video games or music or books or live events to like kind of still do what we do, but work around not being a scab and to support the striking workers. Uh, I do a RPG, or a, well, it is an RPG podcast, but I do a Bioware podcast I mentioned earlier. First four seasons were the Mass Effect trilogy and Andromeda. We are now in season five covering Dragon Age Origins. We just finished the main story as of when we're recording uh, and are about to jump into the boatload of DLC that Origins has. And then we'll be making our way through the entire Dragon Age franchise. Who knows? Maybe Dreadwolf will be out by the time we're done, though I'm not optimistic. <laughs> we can go right into that. Um, but that's uh, more of a RPG podcast focused on like, if we had to make choices in these worlds, what kind of choices would we make? Why did we make those choices? And most importantly, why did we fall in love with that particular hot character, which is the best part of the discussion? <laughs> yeah, um, and highly, highly recommend that one. Uh, thank you. I listened to season one of Mass Effect, and it was very fun. Thank you. Um, and then I do a video game podcast called Fun and Games with the incredible Jeff. Oh, the Reignite podcast is done with the incredible Frankie Bradley the Strange. And so, yeah, I also do a video game podcast called Funny Games. Uh, the main show is a discussion-based podcast where me and Jeff and sometimes a guest talk about trends within the industry, retrospectives of consoles or franchises, certain genres of game. We talk, we've talk. we been recently been talking a lot about game preservation and emulation. Um, we just did an incredible episode with the Vim of Vim's Lair, one of the more famous ROM sites. Uh, and we talked about preservation and how we started at the site and all that stuff. It was really neat. Um, and then we have a sub-series within that feed called SideQuests. Uh, where uh, folks like Michael have done uh, uh, an episode about a game they love and why they love it. They are short snippet, like five to 15 minute episodes, and it's a different host every time. We have repeat hosts, but like every episode is a different host talking about that game and why they love it. I've done a few episodes. Um, many other podcasters on our network have done episodes. It's great. And we've had like listeners do episodes too. Like you don't have to be a professional podcaster to do one, which is my favorite part about that. And then I also edit for the Game Informer show, uh, been a big fan of Game Performer for a long time. And then about a little over a year ago, Alex Van Aken, the host of the show, asked if I would want to edit the audio version. And so I've been doing that for quite some time, and that's a lot of fun. It's a great place to get like the news side of gaming stuff instead of the discussion mm. side, because uh, they are always really well-researched. Uh, and they also talk about like game previews and stuff. This week's episode that uh, will have aired by the time you hear this, uh, it was about, uh, as of when we're recording, a uh, hands-on preview of Mario Wonder, which is really cool to hear. Brian Shea talked about it. Uh, yeah, so that's all the stuff I do. Also, and I'm sometimes a DJ uh, and a Twitch streamer, and it's just 
I do too much, like like Michael said. <laughs> <laughs> Endless. I love it. Game Informer, they're based out of Minnesota, aren't they? They sure are, yeah. Uh, I have family in Minnesota. I haven't been back in a long time, but uh, I'm hoping to get out there sometime in the next year to like, Wait, hang really? out with the folks That's out where there I'm from. Person. Oh, really? Oh, nice. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> would be awesome, yeah. Cool. Well, I will link everything down in the show notes, but we got to go through the RPG tutorial. Do you remember the first RPG that you ever finished? So it's one of two RPGs. I'm pretty sure it's Chrono Trigger, um, but it could be Super Mario RPG. That's the first one I finished. I'm trying. It's hard to remember the order, but like the Super Nintendo era is when I got into RPGs, and those two games are two of the first RPGs I ever played. Chrono Trigger, I played because I was at a friend's house, and he, knowing that I like Dragon Ball Z, was like, "Well, you've played Chrono Trigger, right?" And I went, "No, why?" He's like, oh, you're going to borrow my copy of Chrono Trigger and play it. It's the best video game you'll ever play. And lo and behold, my friend Roy was right because to this day, it's my favorite RPG and probably my favorite game of all time. Um, but yeah, I, th I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Chrono Trigger was the first one I've ever finished. That's pretty cool. I'm guessing then this next question, what game made you fall in love with RPGs? I mean, it was those two for sure. I mean, the thing about Mario RPG that was powerful is like, I had already loved Mario since I was a kid. Uh, I've been playing the games on since the NES, and I love Super Mario Brothers 3 and Super Mario World are some of my favorite Mario games ever. When I found out that the folks who made Chrono Trigger, I think that's the order of operations. I think Mario RPG was after Chrono Trigger, I'm pretty sure. Um, Sounds right. Uh when I heard they were making a Mario RPG, I was like, oh, well, this is great. And so, like, I, I, I've I gone both back to the both of those games a lot, but I would say for sure it's got to be Chrono Trigger. I mean, I still hold a, a torch for that game. I still think it's unbeatable. Um, I recently watched a friend of mine stream the game. He's never played it before and do the whole trial scene and, like, got absolutely <sighs> caught in 4K when he, like, ate the guy's lunch and, like stole like picked up the pendant before talking to marl like so it was so fucking funny because he was like he was so confused he's like what do you mean there are witnesses it was great and like it shows that a game like that is timeless and is still brilliant and so yeah for sure it's got to be chrono trigger turn-based or action i like both but i think i have a preference for turn-based uh i mean it's clear i do considering sea of stars is probably become one of my favorite indie games of all time and i can't stop lauding how incredible it was um i like action rpgs but yeah i think turn-based is the preference just because i like i like that setup i like how it works i love time tits like all that kind of thing all right i think i know the answer to this one because of the history we just went through final fantasy 6 or final fantasy 7 it's final fantasy 7 i i like 6 what i've played of it but like 7 like we talk about the games that made you fall in love with rpgs chrono trigger was the start when I saw Final Fantasy VII and, and watched a friend of mine play like the first three hours, I like got a PlayStation within weeks after that. Uh, yes. Like and yes. and play and Final Fantasy VII is the first uh, Final Fantasy game I ever played. It's one of the first RPGs where I bought a strategy guide and just poured over it and poured over it and then played it over and over again. Um, like Chrono Trigger, Mario RPG, and Final Fantasy VII are the three games I probably have most memorized from repeat playthroughs. Uh, no hate on six. I, I've heard great things, and someday I'll finish it, but seven is the one of those two. All right. Shout out what you think is an underrated JRPG that more people should give a chance. Oh, hmm. 
That's tough. I mean, I've played so. I mean, Shadows of Adam, which is an indie game. I, <laughs> I was just going to say that. I yeah. think that's a great one. I think that's a great one. I mean, I don't think it's underrated, but I don't think it's like it's lauded. But I really don't think mass like I also am in a bubble of game lovers. But like, I think Undertale is probably one of the smartest games ever created. And like, I know a lot of folks have played it. But I feel like it doesn't ha like it's not as mainstream as it could be. It's it's up there, but like, mm -hmm. I I, th I really think Toby Fox is one of the most brilliant game designers ever to live, and like, I cannot wait for the rest of of Delta Rune because that is even more brilliant. Uh, but it's unfinished. Really? But like, uh, but yeah, Shadows of Adam. If you want something that folks have probably not even heard of uh, by something classic, I think is definitely a great one. It's only like ten hours, I think, or less, and it's got a really fun story it's got the kind of comedy you expect from that era of rpgs that it's emulating and it's it's just a really fun tight game yeah very funny very much like a paper mario where the quips you're just like oh my gosh it's great yeah what's an rpg you'd recommend to newcomers to the genre hmm newcomers i mean i really think that sea of stars is a really good one i think that because it's not a franchise because you don't have to have played the messenger to understand it, though you will benefit from having played it. I think it is an RPG that really is kind to newcomers and isn't that difficult to understand, but the challenges and the puzzles of the different types of elemental attacks and the locking of, of spells being cast and that kind of stuff. But like the base game is super easy to consume and it's a feel good story all in all. Like that's not super complicated. And I think that would be a great place to jump in. And it's like, it's only 30 bucks. I think uh, if you've never played a JRPG, I would start there because I think it's just a really tight one of those kinds of games. Yeah, I think that's an excellent starting point. And that's what's cool about it. It's very recent too. Yep. <laughs> All right, so the closing discussion we're going to have. Thanks for taking that RPG tutorial. Sure. That was fun. It was a blast. How would you l like a certain popular JRPG franchise to evolve for their next entry? And I think I lean towards one, but we'll see which one you pick. We can either talk about the Persona series or the Final Fantasy series. Which one do you think? I mean, the one I'm most familiar with is the Final Fantasy series. Persona, I know at a glance, and only three, four, and five. Um, whereas Final Fantasy, I know about all of the games, even if I haven't played all of them. Perfect. Let's do that. Do you like the direction that Final Fantasy 16 went? It's controversial, but yes. I mean, it helps that 16 is a character action game, and like I'm a Devil May Cry sicko. So like, and we just talked about Hi-Fi Rush a little while ago. So like, the combat was phenomenal. Uh, I ended up sticking with certain icons for a long time. I just didn't love the later icons that you unlock. But beyond that, like, I loved that game, and like. It's gorgeous. Like, were the side quests boring? Yes. Was the story kind yeah. of cookie cutter? Yes. But I think it's also one of, without spoiling it, it's one of the best familial stories in a RPG ever. Like, there are certain characters who yeah. were wasted, and it was imperfect to say the least. But I liked that they tried something different because it was it was talked about, right? Um, also, Ben Starr, the voice of Clive, is just too attractive and also nerdy. It's unfair. Uh, neither here nor there though but like i like the direction it's gone in so far i i think they need to experiment more i revisited 15 this year and got pretty far i haven't finished it i need to go back to it um and liked that too um it's funny people complained about final fantasy is too different this game is too different i'm like have you played a final fantasy game they're all different almost 
almost none of them carry over the previous system literally at all so like what are you talking about like uh, even just seven to eight to nine they are three vastly different rpgs my gosh there probably isn't in a three game series a different like so drastically different games yeah and so like the people complaining that it was too different i'm like you've not you you don't know what you're talking about um so yeah, I, I'm I'm happy with the direction it went in, uh, and you know this is kind of controversial opinion now. I know a lot of folks didn't like 16, which is valid. It had its flaws. I just I looked past them. I really I really dug what I what I did love about it more than what I didn't like. I think what I want them to take from 16 is Clive was such an interesting protagonist, like yes. probably one of the best in the entire series, to be honest. And I like that. Yeah, we had this grandiose story without spoiling anything but it did come back to such a uh, a small cast of characters and that familiar like family story i like that bit about it so if they're going to go bombastic and crazy big with these action set pieces i do like that it still comes back to the small moments and as long as they keep that in mind i think i'll be happy with no matter which direction they go because now we have final fantasy 7 rebirth coming out just in a little while which is a different tone and shift I think I prefer that style, but again, like you said, they evolve with every entry. That's the whole purpose of Final Fantasy. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think I I would love them to do character action again. I just I think it's such a fun way to engage with an RPG. I mean, I will agree that the RPG systems in like they should have gone full character action game, like leaned into the Devil May Cry of it all, because the fact that they forced the RPG elements made them very basic. The armor upgrades were pointless. The weapon upgrades were pointless. You just got the next big thing after the next big set piece. Like there was no like and leveling also like everything scaled up with you, so you were never really out leveling stuff. And so that kind of stuff was a little disappointing. And I would look to that. Let, let us be a badass. Let us over level and like out level the enemies. Um, but yeah, I think that story wise, like they, they had some really great ideas. Um, maybe a more diverse cast and maybe do something with the women in your cast. But, you know, beyond that, I, I, I agree. I think Clive was a great main character and is one of my favorites since Cloud. Uh, and you know, I'm a sucker for a, a brooding character with a soft heart, and I think they did it really well. And the voice—I mean, the voice cast was incredible. Like they did incredible yeah, work. Yeah. Um, Sid is one of my. The Sid in this game is one of my favorite my, Sids of all yes. time. Like he was just brilliant. Uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, I also would love them to go back to turn-based. They haven't really done turn-based in a little while. I mean, I guess 15 sort of. Like, I don't mind seven remakes battle system i hate that you have to play other characters i get why they do it and it makes sense but like if i like one of the characters best then i just want to play that character the fun thing about being clive all the time and not having to switch characters is like i could just be clive all the time and like it was great and like i really liked him and got to know him you know whereas like the tales series i played tales of Arise a few years ago that one you can also choose the different party members to play as them but i often just stayed the main character because i liked his 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 setup best um, yeah, I like the idea of choice of being able to control other characters, but if I have one that I like, I'm most likely going to stick with that one too. Yeah. Um, and I I think yeah, what's interesting about the choices, like when you're talking about diversity and stuff with Final Fantasy 16 is Final Fantasy has had really good women characters for a long time. Yeah. It is so strange, their choice to have party members there, 
but they didn't really do anything. <laughs> no. And like for Jill specifically as a party member, she's so vital to the story and yet gets like sidelined so easily. And like her story has almost no resolution. It's just such a bummer because she's such a cool character and they do literally mm -hmm. nothing with her or even um, Sid's daughter. Um, like mid they do nothing with other than make her like brainy and, and obnoxious and like a go-getter <laughs> like which is fine but like yeah there was no development for those characters and it was really a bummer there's a character that pals around with another character the whole game uh, and like you barely get her name and like she's like key to that other character's survival it's just it seems like they had no interest in uh, fleshing out those characters. And meanwhile, you have Sid and Clive, who were hugely fleshed out. Even Gav. Gav was great. I was going to say, Gav was very fleshed out, which I was actually surprised that I liked that character so much. Because it seemed like they were just going to be a side character. But Yeah. like I feel like even a lot of the side characters, Wade also got like so much more development than some of these more important seemingly more important narrative characters and so like i would love for them in future games to do that also like it's clear this was a rip on game of thrones i'm not a fan of game of thrones so like i was at odds with that a bit uh i think taking inspiration is great but i think you've got to make it your own i think making it sexy or having curses just for the sake of it doesn't really solve anything um yeah. and a lot of those scenes felt awkward because they felt like well, like why is this here like i don't even even the games I like that have sex scenes off the half the time, I'm like, why are like, I get it, but like, why are we like this? Doesn't seem as important to simulate as some other stuff. Uh, I'm not against them. I just think like if you're going to have those scenes, they should serve a purpose narratively as well, not just be a show of flesh. Which to each their own. If people enjoy that, but it's just I feel like there should be a bigger purpose than just people being naked. You know? Yeah, there's there's definitely room for character building within intimate scenes for sure 100 percent. yeah now you made an interesting point do you think if final fantasy went straight action obviously you'd have to cut the length i think down to make it more accessible to be a character driven action game do you think there's a future where we get another final fantasy game like 16 that is shorter and then they're still working on maybe they go back to a turn based would you like them to see them experiment with kind of like they're doing with Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and 16, you know, we have two giant Final Fantasy products coming out very close to each other. Would you like to see more of that? Yeah. I mean, also, I don't mind spinoffs. Look, I love Seven as much as the next person, but it'd be cool to get spinoffs of other games. I mean, they did it with, with 13, uh, one I know you're uh, very fond of, but like... <laughs> I think more of that or diversity. Look, I mean, just look at, we were talking about like the Like a Dragon franchise, all beat-em-ups. Now we're getting a beat-em-up in November and an RPG in January. And I could see them doing that split to continue the old style of the game, but also like, I wish more franchises like genre hopped. Like it, one of my favorite things about Sea of Stars, it is a follow-up to a side-scrolling action platformer Metroidvania. And they're in the same world. And I love that stuff. Like, let me get more of those kinds of games. You know, I, that's why I love Gears Tactics or, or Halo Wars. Like, go into other genres within a franchise. So I would love, like, we haven't had a, a tactics RPG from Final Fantasy in a long time. There have been rumors about Final Fantasy Tactics getting a remake for ages. Like, be a little more experimental. If you're going to do a character action game, give us a sequel with, you know, from the 16 world or a prequel from the 16 world with a character action game right it would fit for that you know i think they can branch out and like be more loosey-goosey because there are different even kinds of rpgs that they could kind of lean into 
while still growing their brand because you know do i want another turn-based rpg sure do i also want them to experiment and try new things yeah i, I don't mind it either way yeah i know there's probably some bottom line like okay we have to make this franchise this genre because it sold well but if you do an offshoot like we're talking about you know or genre hopping just make it a little bit smaller game test the waters see if there's demand for it and i mean that's kind of they're milking persona 5 which i don't care because i like persona 5 you know we got a tactic spin off of that if that does well maybe we'll see a persona tactics new game that comes out i mean like you said we haven't had a final fantasy tactics game in forever i'm waiting for to play that because i know the remake might be coming so i think experimentation is key in this in this conversation i would agree absolutely i mean also i just like when franchises experiment i played andromeda way after the trilogy came out and after all of the bugs and other issues and it still had its issues but like bioware is still great at writing characters they're still great at creating worlds and like i loved andromeda and andromeda was significantly different from the mass effect trilogy but i don't think in a bad way i think it got a lot of hate because of how it was released and the issues it had at launch but i think there's a solid game in there and i like when franchises experiment and shift and try new things you know playing the same thing over and over again what's the point like the people who are mad at remake not being turn-based it's like we have a turn-based final fantasy 7 why would we play a new one of that let's play something yeah. else let's create something else and we got the PC port on modern consoles, which is kind of like a remaster. And again, like you said, remake is literally in the title. Yeah. Well, this has been wonderful, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a long time coming, and man, it was good to chat with you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of this. I'm, uh, I We still have to have you on the main show for Fun and Games at some point, and I would love for you to do another side quest at some point. Um, always happy to have these kind of collaborations, and yeah, it was definitely a long time coming. A big fan of yours for a long time, and so I'm glad we got to got to do this. Thank you so much, and with that, this is file number three. Let's have a save point complete. We'll see you next time.